You're listening to the weekly teaching podcast of Willamette Christian Church in Westland, Oregon. We hope that what you hear today inspires you to laugh, question, think, and grow. If you'd like to connect with us even further, hit us up online at willamette.cc or shoot us a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. We are doing this series called Entrusted. What we're looking at is this idea that God, when he created us, he invited us to participate with him in his goodness. Not to just watch God do things, not to just be detached from God, but to participate with with God in the goodness of God. And all series long, we've been using this kind of theme as our launching point here. And it's this, everything we have has been entrusted to us by God and we are accountable for how and for who we leverage it. We're we're partnering with God. We're not here to just believe in God, like I'm a Christian, I happen to believe in God. We don't just believe in God, but we also live for God. The way that we live our lives, we're in partnership with God. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, this is kind of our simple little verse for each week of the series, for we are co-laborers together, with God. We are co-laborers together. So you and me, we're on a team. Uh, Team Willamette, we're in a local church here. God has established the local church to continue to to be a shining light in our community. We co-labor together, but we also co-labor together with God. There is a partnership with God. We are entrusted. There's an accountability to what we do with our lives. And this can be a little bit of a buzzkill, depending on your perspective. You can be like, we're accountable. We are co-laboring. We're laboring. And and that is not the perspective God wants you to have at all. What God is wanting us to understand, and my prayer for you, this this light comes on, that you would say, oh, when we partner with God, there is a fullness of life. We are living in our purpose, how God created us. There's a, a flourishing that takes place when we partner together with God. And Jesus wants to transform us from the inside out. And my prayer is that we would live differently because we've encountered the goodness of God. That because you believe in God, because you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, it is changing the way that you live your life as we partner together with what God has entrusted to us. And that's why the values here at Willamette are kind of a lifestyle values. It's radical hospitality, uncommon humility, sacrificial generosity. It's not just belief. Each church kind of has its belief, statement of beliefs. We have those too. But beyond believing, we value the living. We value how we live that out. And we want to live with hospitality and humility and generosity. And this is different than kind of the natural gravitational pull of our lives to ourselves. We would rather, this world is very hostile right now. There's uncommon hostility more than there's humility. Rather than than generosity, what we see in the world is is holding on to and keeping hold of hospitality. We want to care for others. People are like, i got to take care of of myself. So these are countercultural, but they're better. It's beautiful. Our life flourishes when we live the way God created us to live. So the series, what we're doing is we're focusing on this value of sacrificial generosity. We're talking about money. And I kind of have a love-hate relationship with this topic. Some people are like, oh, pastor's doing the money talk, and I get it, right? Uh, I have this kind of love-hate relationship. 
as a pastor. The reason why I don't like it is because I understand the stigma that comes with churches talking about money, right? There have been abuses. Uh, maybe you've seen or you've been hurt by abuse that's happened through religious organizations, and I totally get it. Uh, there's been like people that use the Bible as a, as a punchline for a sales pitch. They're just trying to get everybody to do something. I get it, and I don't like it either. I also understand that like I'm, this is my job. I'm, I'm compensated by the church, so there can be the squinty eyes. They're like, does this guy have some kind of mixed motive? What does this guy want? Ah, I, I totally get it, right? So I, I totally get it. But on the other hand, I love this topic because, A, Jesus talked about this a lot, and he knew how much our lives are transformed when the light does come on about the goodness of God. And B, it's an amazing conversation about discipleship about what it actually means to follow Jesus. So when it comes to discipleship, when it's an amazing conversation about discipleship, we are able to say, hey, what does it mean for us to actually live out our beliefs? Because Jesus is not merely interested in what we believe. He's interested in our hearts. So this is why I pray that when we talk about this every year and when it comes up in conversation, that you wouldn't be like, ow, you'd be like, oh, the light has come on. That you would understand, not because some pastor told you, but because you've experienced the scriptures for yourself. You're like, I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Come on, somebody. That, that you would be able to say, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You'd be like, I, I, I've experienced that you would be able to say he has come to set the captives free. It's not accountability. It's not co-laboring. It's like, no, this is good. God is for us. He is not against us. This is good news. The gospel is good news. Some people say, Brian, it must be hard to be a pastor. I'm like, well, yeah, it is, except it's good news. Like, have you read this stuff? Like, it is good news for us, and I have the privilege to be able to help us take a step towards the goodness of God. So here's what I hope for you today, and it's simply this. God doesn't need something from you. God wants something for you. When we're talking about finance, we're talking about sacrificial generosity. Oh, what does God want from me? Ah, ah, right? No, no, he doesn't need something from you. God wants something for you. And, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to go all the way back today to the beginning of the, of the scriptures. Because when God created humanity, when we see how he created humanity, why he created humanity, we see the purpose of his creation. Why did he create us? Why are we on this planet? And, and what does he have for us to flourish and to be in alignment with that original design? It's so important for us to know Genesis 1, 2, and 3. If you're new to faith, you're like, oh, what do I do with this big Bible? Uh, I get it. Genesis 1, 2, and 3, it's not just a story. It reveals the heart of God for humanity and why we're here in the beginning. So all the way back to creation, Genesis chapter 1, first page of the Bible. It is not hard to find. Here, a little bit of a paraphrase, but it starts off this way. In the beginning was God, and God created. Who created? God created. And what did God create? God created everything. There was nothing and God created. In fact, in verse four, it's like God created light and he steps back and he's like, oh, it is good. I, I like, I like light. He, he's literally, he, he creates, every day he creates things and then every time he creates something, he goes, it is good. I, I like this. He creates everything. And then he goes on in chapter one, verse 26, and it says this, then God said, let us make mankind in our own image 
in our likeness. So God creates everything. He's the creator, but then he creates humanity. And it's not just good. It's not just like, he's like, no, let's create mankind in our image, in our likeness. We are in many ways like God, sort of like parents having children. You have children, they have your DNA. They aren't you, thank God, right? But they are, they are like you. My, my kids, when you see my kids, they're like, oh, look at how you look like your, like your mom, like your grandma. They're made in our likeness. They're not us, but they are, they are like us. In the same way, we are like God. We're not God, but we're like God. Then God says, why? Why are they doing that? Why, why create us in our likeness? So that they may rule over. And then it goes on to say a bunch of things. So that they may rule over the fish of the sea. In other words, God's saying, we're going to create humanity in our own image, in our likeness, so that they can rule, so that they can have responsibility, so that they can have power. God's saying, I created, but I'm going to put you in charge. I'm going to entrust you with some power. You're going to have some power. Now, God is omnipotent. God is all-powerful. And he's like, Adam, you're not omnipotent, but I'm going to give you some potency. I'm going to give you and trust you with some power to rule, to, to reign. I'm going to give you some responsibilities and we're going to do this together. And so God gives Adam uh, responsibilities. They get to name all the animals. That's quite a responsibility, right? And, and God's like, you do it. It's your job. I'm not going to edit you. There's no first draft and second draft. Can you imagine going to like your firstborn and you're going, okay, um, I want to give you some responsibility. So, you know, mom's about to have another kid. You're going to name the kid, right? That's your job now. And I'm not going to edit, right? But that's some responsibility. The kid, you know, you've been there, right? Like baby comes out, baby looks a little funny, right? You're like, oh, it's so pretty, you know? And the kid's like, this Kid's name is Squishy Face. That's his name, Squishy Face, right? And they're like, no, no, you can't name it. No, God's like, Adam, you name, you name the animals. I'm giving you some power, some responsibility. Why? Did God need Adam to name the animals? No. He wanted to walk with Adam. He wanted to share in responsibility to do this together to bring about the flourishing of humanity. So verse 27, it says this. So... God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. This is why God created humanity. He's like, I've got a plan for you. We're going to partner together. I don't have to do it. I'm fully sufficient to do it. But I love you. I want you. I want you to be with me. He created us. He blessed us. He's like, I'm going to show you what it's like to flourish. This is our plan together. And this is our created design. This is why we're here. We are made in the image of God, to be with God. We are in many ways like God. We are made in his likeness. But you know how this story goes. Even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably have heard that this doesn't end well, that God's giving them everything that they need, but he has to give them a choice because love without choices is not love. It's forced. It's, it's slavery. So he's like, I love you. I'm giving you all this. You're going to flourish. I'm blessing you, but you have a choice. And so the story turns. Satan shows up in the form of a serpent, begins whispering these things to Eve, making her think, well, maybe, maybe God is leaving us out of what we actually should have. And I love the King James version here of chapter 3, verse 5. It says this. 
then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods. Satan says, hey, why have a taste of power when you can have an appetite for all the power? Why have some potency when you can have all the potency? Why be in the image of God? Why be like God when you can actually be God? And friends, this is the battle for all of us. To this day, from Genesis to today, we are in a battle of appetites, an appetite to consume, to have, to make all the rules, to have our own kingdom, or to share and to partner with God and to walk with God in the plans and purposes that he created us for. So what's the difference? To either be like God, made in the image of God, or to actually be God. Adam, original creation, placed in the garden, not as creator, but to manage, to steward, to be entrusted with creation. And when Adam understood this before they they sinned, his understanding that from day one, everything was all God's. Adam was like, it's all his. It's not mine. I didn't create any of this. It's all God's. We We have to get this right. When we're in this battle for appetite, We have to decide, do we actually believe that everything belongs to God? Or do we believe "Eh, a lot belongs to God and some belongs to me? It's mine. Adam knew, I've been entrusted with some stuff, but I didn't make it. Everything is his. But on the flip side, to be God, we say this, it's all mine. It's all mine. We get a little bit of stuff. We get a degree, we get an income, we get some power, some prestige. We make it in this world a little bit. We upgrade a little bit and all of a sudden we're like, oh, ho, ho, I'm actually the king of this castle. My brain got me this job. My hard work got me this promotion. This is my kingdom. It all belongs to me. I created it. It's mine. And when it's all yours, everything is a possession. Everything is, it's mine, defensive. This is my stuff. I earned it. I worked hard to get it. Who's trying to take my stuff? Stop asking me for my stuff. Don't go to church when they talk about my stuff. These are my possessions. But when everything is his, everything I have is a gift. If everything is God, what happens when you receive a gift? You're grateful. You're like, thank you. It's not mine. It's yours. It's a gift. But I'm not grateful for things that I think I deserve. I'm not grateful when I think things are owed to me. You, you owe me this. You, you, you know, I'm not grateful. This isn't a gift. This is mine. I earned that paycheck. I, this is mine. You know, in fact, I should get more of a paycheck because I'm doing that dude's job too. Like, let's go. I, I, this, is, this is mine. When our possession, we feel this. We feel entitled. When it's all mine, it's possession, we feel entitled. I make the rules and it's all about me. I am in control. But when we understand who God is from creation, he's, everything belongs to him. It's a gift from God. God gave us a responsibility and trusted us with different resources. The invitation of God, you know that we haven't been entitled. We've been entrusted. God's saying, hey, I I love you. I created you. I got a plan for you. I'm blessing you. You're going to flourish this way. You're actually going to be in the fullness of life because you're actually living according to your purpose. Not because he needed us. He wanted to share with us, to walk with us in relationship, motivated by relationship. Let's do this together. God was not desperate. He's not like, oh, I need some help. There's too much work to do, right? He spoke and light existed. He's like, I got this. 
but it's so much better. The heart of God reveals the heart of God is for you. He doesn't need something from you. He's like, it's good. I want you to taste the goodness. It is good. It's kind of like parents, come on. I know some of you can relate with this. Have you ever invited your kids to do something knowing that you could have done it just so much better, right? Come on, who's with me? This past week was like rake the leaves uh, week at my house. And, and we, have, we have this little backyard that is like this big, okay? I'm not joking. Like it is this big. And, um, and I was like, hey, I'm going to be coming home late. Girls, I want you to rake the leaves. And they're like, oh, like, oh. And like all of a sudden, you know, demons entered them. And they're like, ah, 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 ah. I can't do it. Ah, ah, ah. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, back in my day, we raked acres up. <laughs> hill. You know, like it was just, and I'm like, come on. And I knew, I knew I can bust this out like so fast when I get home, it will be better. But I'm like, no, I have a plan and purpose. They will be better off if we do this together. I don't need them to do it. I actually want them to experience it. It will, when you start living and not just slothing around in life, living to your purpose, it's actually better for you. So I came home and Jen's like, Brian, Be very proud of the girls. <laughs> they were out there for over an hour. And my first reaction was, over an hour? What? What is this? But she's like, they were out there for over an hour. They did exactly what you wanted. It took them a while, right? Right? And I'm like, girls, you did the leaves. That's so great. And, you know, because his leaves, like, the leaves are still falling, they're like, why'd you ask us to do that? There's more leaves now. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, it's okay. I will do more leaves on Saturday. We're just doing this together. Listen, when God, when God does this, he's, it's not because he needs you. It's not like God's like, oh, who's going to rake the leaves? God's able. But he literally, this is the heart of God for you. It's that when you partner with God, when you're entrusted with the resources, when you walk according to God's plan, in relationship, there's something beautiful. But the flip side is, no, 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 I'm not doing that with anybody. This is mine. I'm rolling solo. I don't need God. I'm the king of this castle. So Adam and Eve, they chose this way. They ate the fruit. They realized it didn't flourish all of a sudden, they recognized their nakedness. They ran and hid from God. But again, it's so important to know Genesis 1, 2, and 3 because it reveals God. While Adam and Eve are sowing fig leaves, God is coming to the rescue them, to redeem them, to restore them, to say, I know you're broken, but I'm going to bring you back into my original design. I'm, I'm here to heal you. You were made for this, even though you're far from this. See, God knew that you were created to be blessed not cursed. God didn't curse Adam and Eve, zap, 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 zap. Adam and Eve chose a path that will never flourish. God's like, that's not going to work for you. So I'm going to come to heal you. I'm going to restore this with you. I'm going to show you that this is where life is really at. And Satan, friends, today is still trying to wet our appetite for something that will never fulfill us. We will tell ourselves and lie to us and lie to ourselves and consume things and just try to build our own kingdoms. And if we don't get this right, our appetites will eat up all of our resources. We will continually use our resources to whet the appetite, to fulfill an appetite that can never be filled. Look at it this way. 
To what ends do you want your life to be a means? How do you want this to end up? If we, if we go this cursed route, we spend our life with accumulation, consumption, comparison, upgrades, rationalization. None of us, like, we're not going to raise our hands because none of us are going, yeah, that's what I want, Pastor Brian. I want to just be full of all this stuff. But, but this is how we live our life. We have a belief system. I don't believe this is good, but we have a life system, a living situation where we pursue these things. I want more stuff, consumption. I I just, I got to have this because our neighbors have this and and they have this. So I got to have this and the pressure, the pressure, their kids are going to this school. Our kids, what are our, I don't know, upgrades. Let's just keep upgrading, upgrading. Rationalization for most people. We rationalize this stuff away. They're like, Brian, it's not about me. I'm not spending my money on me. I'm spending my money on my family. My family needs my resources, so I can't give my resources. And it's still all about our kingdom and us being in control and choosing the pathway that we think we can solve the problems because instead of being entrusted, we've announced ourselves as in the driver's seat. This is happening with all of us. It's a tension that will never go away. And Jesus knew this. And so when God says, I'm coming to fix this, I'm coming to invite people back into this original design. I'm going to entrust you were created to be entrusted with, not because I need you, but because this is what you flourish. God came running and he covered Adam and Eve with, with the clothing from, from animals going, I'm here to restore you back, but we're broken people. And so Jesus came, fast forward all the way to the New Testament. Jesus came to reverse the curse because we cannot fix ourselves. We cannot solve this problem. Only Jesus can. And so we're told from the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says this For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. For we are God's handiwork. He's the creator, He made everything, it's all His. We're created though, watch this, in Christ Jesus. You could put it this way We are recreated in Christ Jesus. We were broken, but Jesus came to rebirth us. We're reborn. We're back into this new opportunity with God because of what Christ Jesus has done in Christ Jesus to do good works, to live out this life that we read about in Genesis chapter one, to partner with God, to see his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're partnering with God to see that to happen, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, God's like, this was my, this was my plan all along. This is so good. I've, I've created a way for you to get back to the garden, to get back into flourishing, to get back in this partnership. If you will understand that I'm for you and not against you. And so Jesus shows up on the scene to bring people back to God. He made the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't just say good moral things. He's like, it's through me that you will find this life. Put your, your hope in me. And so Jesus would, would come to set the record straight and to explain to people what the kingdom of God was like, not just in theory, not just in statement of belief, but what is it like to live this out? And he would say and use these parables, these stories to explain God's perspective that is so different from our perspective. And he would invite us, which way do you want to go with your life? 
And so with that in end, I want to wrap up this message, finish the second half of this message with this parable from Jesus where he sets the record straight for all of us to understand what's been entrusted to us. And we find that story, that parable, explaining the kingdom of God in Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to begin in verse 14. And it says this. This is Jesus talking to people. He says this again. It will be like, so it's a story. It will be like a man going on a journey who has called his servants and entrusted, there's the word, and has entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, one bag, each according to his ability. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So here's the scenario. Three guys, five, two, and one. The the five and two, they go off at work. They put it right to work, and and it's fruitful. It multiplies. But this one guy, he's like, this is is mine. Uh, the, The master's saying, this is mine. I'm giving it to you. I've entrusted it with you. And to all three, different amounts. But he's like, can I trust you with what I've given to you? Let's see what happens in verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I can put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I can put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Now you probably recognize this is the exact same statement for the man who had five and the man that had two. It didn't matter how much they had. It was whether or not they partnered or managed what was entrusted to them well, what had been given to them. Same exact statement regardless of the amount that's important for us to understand. Let's see what happens in verse 24. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So the the master comes back and goes, let me get this straight. You have assumed things and accused me of doing things that you don't even really know what I've done with what I have, but you're making some assumptions about how this all works? Because the, the guy was like, well, you do this and you do that. He's like, really? I, I do that? He's like, you, you say that you know this? Again, it's not about the amount. The parable here, the story here is who's in charge? Who's calling the shots? And this guy buried his stuff. He's like, I'm in charge. I'm deciding how this all works out. So verse 27, well then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, you would have received it back with interest. In other words, this master's like, 
Bro, you had zero interest in being entrusted. Like if all that were even true, right? The stock market's crashing, fine. Go put some money in CDs, okay? Just fine. You shouldn't do that right now because this is what all the financial advisors say. You shouldn't do that. You should. But even if you, even if you do something, just go ahead and, and do something if you care at all. And the master is pointing this out to, he's like, you actually don't, you have no interest in being entrusted. You have no interest in partnering. You didn't even take the smallest step. And, and, and Jesus is telling the story. There's like blessing and there's curse. We choose. We've all been entrusted to something. Which way will we go? So verse 28 and 29, it says this. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is not about rich or poor. This is not about having or, or, or not having. It's about partnering in the kingdom of God versus deciding to be the king. And Jesus is telling, telling all of us, remember, he's using this just as an example, an everyday example that would happen in real life, and he likens it back to the kingdom. And he's like, your way of doing it your way, it will be a curse. It will, you will not flourish. Go back to Genesis. It never works out when you decide to do things your way. But when you put it to work, when you go, we're partners, we're in this together. We have a, a bigger dream. I'm not the owner of this. Somebody gave this to me. I'm here to manage it. It's like for all of you who are financial advisors out there, you know this, you live this out. Can you imagine if you gave your money to your financial advisor and the financial advisor was like, thank you. This is mine. I'm going to go use it as I see fit. I'm going to do whatever I want with it. And then you know, we'll have a meeting in a year and see how that went. No, right? When you give your money to your financial advisor, you are entrusting them to do something in your best interest. At least that's what I hope is happening with you and your financial advisor. That's how this works. But this guy was like, I'm just going to do my own thing. Oh, this is hard. This guy doesn't understand. I've got my excuses. I'm going to do it my own way. And Jesus is saying to us, listen, you were not created. You will never find flourishing. It will be taken from you. Look at the Garden of Eden. When you do it your way, brokenness awaits you. So let's summarize it this way. Summarize it this way. The, the master wasn't concerned with how much each had from the start. It wasn't like, oh, well, no, he wasn't concerned about how much each had for the start or how much each could keep, but rather what each did with what they were given. It doesn't matter how much you have in your hands. God's not more impressed with people who have more, less impressed, or vice versa. That's not the issue. He wasn't even concerned with how much they had to keep left over and be a part of. It's not about like, you shouldn't have this much money. God never says that in the scriptures. There's no limit to, to the resources that you have. Go ahead. In fact, God knows if you partner the right way, you can do so much more with more resources. It's all about our heart and what we're actually doing with what has been entrusted with us. So this is the question that we all have to wrestle with. And this is the invitation for us to prayerfully consider how God is calling you to prioritize the spending of the financial resources he has entrusted to you. <laughs> and then do it. Well, I'm just praying about it. Just, just really thinking about it right now. I'm just praying, praying. No, 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 no. The, 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 the uh, servant with five and the servant went at once. Once they realized, 
Once they're like, oh, this is how this works. This is what you want me to do with this. Cool, 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 cool. I got it. I heard from you. I'm going to at once now go do it. And, and the master says, share in my happiness. Beyond philosophy, this is the season, church. Willamette Christian Church, if this is your church home, for us to not just kind of like, oh, this is kind of the philosophical way of financial entrust, of how God has entrusted us. No, we are called to be the church. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a part of a local church, God says, I have a plan in place. I want the light to shine. I want good news to go forth. I want great ministry to happen. I don't want it to just teeter off into the darkness. I want there to be the shining light, the original design of flourishing. I want this to happen all around the community so that people are no longer hopeless. They're no longer wandering or weary. They're no longer lost or lonely, but there is a, a church that's representing, being entrusted by God to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to fund the movement of God, to be a part of God. And it's not co-laboring. It's not accountability. It's not what does God want from me. When you taste and see that the Lord is good, you are a part of the very design God created from you in the beginning. So as we, we wrap this up, this is the, the image. Then, well, what does that look like then? Okay, I'm praying about this. Okay, God's, it's not my money. God's entrusted this to me. What does this look like? So all, every week of this series, we've been looking at this, this concept through the Bible. All throughout the Bible, you will see this order. Give first, save second, live off the rest. What do we do first? As soon as we get paid, we give first. We trust God with it. We save second. We live off the rest. Really, we give first to God. Saving is giving to you. You give to yourself just your future self, and your future self will say, thank you, old self, right? We, we give verse to God. We save second. We give to ourselves second, and then we live off the rest. And what does that look like when we give first? We make it priority. We give first. We're, we plan it. We're not spontaneous. We're not sporadic. We're not waiting to see some video of, of some need. This is how we live our lives. We order our finances from the top. We plan it out, and it's a percentage, but we give a portion of our life and we see per percentage giving all throughout the Bible. We talk about 10% in the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, there's phrases like people are like, oh, that's Old Testament. Kind of, just be careful because in the New Testament, they like gave everything. <laughs> you can choose, you know. <laughs> but here's, the, here's what it should be. It should be a portion. It should be the first, not the last not the leftover. It should be a portion of our life as followers of Jesus. Not a tip here and a tip there and a good luck there and a go get them over here. This is how we live. So we're ending the year with putting this into action. Again, we've shown this every week. For the next two months, finish the year out. Choose a percentage of your income and plan to give it away as soon as you get paid. First thing, we're going into a spending season, right? Black Friday deals are already going. I've already, I've already spent some on some early. Me too. But when you live a life that you always give first, you don't have to worry about that because you're giving first. Saving second, you're living off the rest. This is, some of you are already doing this. But this is a season for archers to go, what has God invited me to do? What has God entrusted me with? And what am I doing? And so the second part of this challenge is just as important as the first. And that's this. Let's pay attention to the internal tension and or joy this creates. When you do this and your eyes get really wide and you're like, ooh, pay attention to the tension. 
Because what God wants you to do is trust him and you actually experience a joy. You're actually so excited that this is how you live and that nothing's going to change it. And the stock market crashes and what do you do? You give, save, live. And you didn't get the bonus that you thought. What do you do? Give, save, live. And school's costing more for the kids than ever. What do you do for give, save, live? And you're trying to decide what to do on your 25th wedding anniversary. That's Jen and I right now. What, what, what do you do? You make your decision, but you make your decision after you give, save, live. This is how we live. In the highs and the lows, this is how we live. Listen closely to the conversations you have in your mind. Well, if God really loved me, then he wouldn't want me to, and I need, and my kids, and I need, and all of a sudden you're back to being the king of your castle. And it's never gonna flourish. You might do something. You might take that family on the trip. You might buy that present. You might do, you, you might get it. But I'm telling you, you'll never flourish the way God intended you to because he created us to partner with him. God doesn't need something from you. He wants something for you. So my prayer is that you would understand deeply that last line from that master that says this, come and share your master's happiness. This is God's plan for you. He loves you. Jen and I have lived this out for our 25 years of marriage in the highs and the lows. In the hardest of times and the best of times, we live this way. And it's not perfect. And we don't ace every test, but we've chosen to live a certain way because we want to be a part of what God's doing. And this is our turn, our time, to say yes to God with what he's entrusted to us. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for inviting us to rake some leaves, even when, God, you can do it so much better, so much easier, but you have a heart for us. We're family. You love us. You have a plan of flourishing. I pray for every single one of us going into this Thanksgiving season. God, that we wouldn't cringe. We wouldn't back away. We wouldn't squint our eyes at this topic. But Lord, the light bulb would go on and we would choose with our families. We would choose with our finances. We would choose who we are, not just what we believe in and how we will live with what you've entrusted us. Jesus, thank you for coming to rescue us to make this possible. We celebrate who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.